0: Good moment, America. How are you? It is December twenty-seventh. It is a Sunday, December twenty-seventh, two thousand twenty. This is the Terry Wilkerson Show and I am your host, Terry. And this show, um we're probably not gonna be all over the place like we normally are. This is um This show is basically just a tribute um to one of my favorite professional wrestlers who passed away yesterday and i i only heard about it about 45 minutes ago and that is john huber known in wwe as luke harper and known everywhere else in the world of wrestling as brody lee brody lee passed away from a non-covid-19 related lung ailment the day after christmas december 26th and uh like i said i just found out about 45 minutes ago it is 6.22 6:22 here where I'm recording in southeastern Pennsylvania. And I'm, I'm I'm just trying to come to grips with it because it's been what two weeks since we lost Pat Patterson and and, and now we've lost Brody Lee. And, and, and the reason that um, I correlate the two is they're generally genuinely two guys who one are among the greatest minds. In the business, I mean, Pat Patterson obviously had a far longer career in, in terms of producing and, and and creating content for Vince McMahon and and pretty much everybody who ever put together a wrestling show. But Brody Lee, I mean, Brody Lee had he had athleticism, he had brilliance, but most importantly, what he had was the defining characteristic of. Of a great man. He, he was a family man who loved his wife and his children more than anything. Um, he loved the sport of professional wrestling. He treated it as a sport. And it's just... I, and I know I'm behind today. And it, it kind of bothers me because I've always professed to be one of his biggest fans. And I didn't even know. I, I guess this kind of explains why he was written off of... Uh, AEW Television a while back, um, when he lost the, the TNT title, the, the championship title, if you will, to Cody. I, I I don't even know where to begin. I mean, it's been... 2020's been a rough year for everybody. And for wrestling fans, baseball fans, you know, the, the sports that I cover the most here, it's just been a very difficult year in addition I mean obviously people who are losing family members to whatever disease yeah I promised myself I wouldn't get political but let's just face it you know the the bullshit of calling everything COVID-19 thank fucking god that this particular passing was actually credit to a non-COVID-19 respiratory disease you know thankfully The the doctors in Jacksonville actually told the truth rather than trying to blame it on COVID 19. They actually said it was non COVID related. But I mean, shit, man, this just continues to be one of the weirdest fucking years. I mean, you know, uh, Brody Lee was four years younger than I am. You know, he was born December 16th, 1979. So he's four years younger than me. And look at him, he was in prime condition. He was a huge part of AEW's uh, AEW's future plans, you know, going forward, and you know, he had just become the leader of the Dark Order. But the I, I I can't stress enough the most important thing to remember is that you know he he had a family. He's actually married to a fellow wrestler by the name of uh, Cindy Sin. They got married back in two thousand eight. They have two sons. Um, he loved his kids more than anything in the universe. And my my thoughts and my heart go out to Brody Lee and uh, his wife Amanda, their two children. It's just uh, an incredible loss, not only to professional wrestling, but, I mean, when you talk about decent human beings, you talk about some of the greatest actual men, greatest human beings alive, then certainly um, John Huber... Brody Lee, he fits right in there, and I I don't even know what to say. I'm rambling even more than usual because, like I said, the guy, he's younger than I am, and he's been one of my absolute favorites in the business. I first saw him back in, I think it was 2009, 2008 or 2009, he was working for Pro Wrestling Ohio. He came in to work a program with, it was either Johnny Gargano or Crimson, I can't remember off the top of my head which one it was. But he came into work a program, and here was this huge guy in jeans and a wife beater with this, you know, ZZ top-level beard, and this long hair, and he had the freaking athleticism of a cruiserweight, and it, it blew me away. And I loved the gimmick, too, Big Rig Brody Lee, you know, the, uh, the whole trucker gimmick. I love trucker gimmicks, always have. That's why I was a huge fan of trevor murdoch and and, you know still him i think he's you know a very solid performer and um i stuttering again here so but Brody lee we're here to talk uh for just a couple more minutes i'm I'm not going to keep you guys very long but i mean like i said i saw him uh premiere back in either 2008 or 2009 it was somewhere in there Brody Lee makes this uh, debut and I he, I had heard his name on the independent circuit. He started out as a backyard wrestler. He was originally known as Huberboy number no. 2. He worked with his own brother at one point who was Huberboy number no. 1. Ended up taking his ring name from Mallrats. If you're a big fan of Kevin Smith like I am then probably no surprise but uh, taking the name from Brody, the character Brody Bruce, who was played by Jason Lee. So, Brody Lee. And it just kind of, I, I think it fits. When you looked at him, he looked like a Brody Lee. Let's be honest. Uh, he, he wow. You know, I remember when I first saw him, I thought to myself, well, he kind of reminds me of Bruiser Brody. Which I know he took as a compliment. Every time a fan or a, an announcer or a, a promoter would Compare him to Bruiser Brody, because let's face it, Bruiser is one of the greatest of all time, and to be compared with Bruiser was, um, that, that's an honor very few guys get. So he, he worked for a while in Rochester Pro Wrestling. He was born December 16th, 1979, Rochester, New York. Let's just start out with that. He worked for Rochester Pro Wrestling, which ended up becoming renamed NWA Upstate. Uh, he was the three-time... RPW heavyweight champion, or NWA upstate champion, uh, tag team champion, and the television title, which he went on to unify with the Kayfabe Dojo Championship. (laughs) And and you you gotta love that. Um, Because that's one thing Brody was great at, was keeping Kayfabe. He ended up working for Chikara. He started in Chikara in 2007. He actually got his spot because Reckless Youth no-showed... The event, he was there as a fan, you know, as a uh, visitor, and ended up in the ring, facing up against Equinox. Uh, Mike Quackenbush was like, "Hey, get in there, have the match." Um, he came back two months later, defeated Equinox in the rematch, and for the rest of the year, the rest of 2007, he was not pinned or submitted. He ended up working with the Olsen twins. I always love that, Colin and Jimmy, and. The uh, he actually went on to um, to work with. I, I'm reading this off of. I'm reading the Chikara portion of this off of Wikipedia. Not going to lie to you guys, he was part of the. He was originally supposed to be part of the 2008 King of Trios champion uh, Trios tournament. Wow. I hate hiccups. Have I ever mentioned that? Uh, he ended up not showing up. He ended up not being in the tournament. He, uh Retail Dragon replaced him, but dropped the deciding fall in their opening mount round match against Cheech Cloudy and MCKZ. And, oh, I guess Lee was in the match. Oh, because Colin Delaney actually signed that contract with WWE. See how much I know about Chikara? And the funny thing is, uh, Mike Quackenbush is from the area I was living in when Chikara was actually big. And somehow I managed to miss pretty much everything when it comes to Chakara, He ended up having feuds with Claudio Castagnoli, we now know as Cesaro. Um, he ended up going up against Eddie Kingston. Oh, he aligned himself with Eddie Kingston. I'm reading this wrong. I really should have prepared better, but I didn't because I just said, thought I'd come downstairs and do a quick tribute, and it ended up becoming a career retrospective. So... He aligns himself with Eddie Kingston and Grizzly Redwood to form a stable called the Roughnecks. The Roughnecks defeat Ultramantis Black, Crossbones, and Sammy Callahan to get into the 2009 King of Trios tournament. The Roughnecks lose the Trio tournament opening round to Team Uppercut, Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, and Dave Taylor. How about the talent in that fucking team? Danielson, Castagnoli, and Dave Taylor. Jesus Christ. Um, He ends up moving to... The Syracuse based Squared Circle Wrestling in August of 2007, teaming up with Colin Olson against the Wild Stallions. Ends up working for NWA Upstate and Squared Circle Wrestling until the end of 2012. Oh, as well as um, Jersey All Pro Wrestling. I forgot he did work for them. But then comes the signing to WWE, or more specifically, NXT. He just uh, signs a developmental contract in March of 2012 and premieres at a house show with his new name, Luke Harper. Then comes the August 2012 rebranding of FCW to NXT, and all of a sudden he is a member of the Wyatt family along with Eric Rowan. Uh, they make their debut and they defeat Percy Watson and Yoshitatsu in their first match together. Harper and Rowan go up against Watson and Tatsu in the tag team tournament, the NXT tag team title tournament. And they are defeated in the finals of the tournament by Adrian Neville and Oliver Gray. And I just realized, oh, Joel Redman. All right, that's who Oliver Gray is. Thank you, Wikipedia, for being there on the fly for me. Then, of course, we have that debut. The the Wyatt Family debut... In, uh, I guess it was against Kane. Yeah, it was against Kane because the crowd kept chanting Husky, Harris. That Wyatt family thing. I mean, the Wyatt family is probably the best gimmick in the business in the last, say, 15 years. So, competes in the 2014 Royal Rumble. Uh, ends up getting eliminated by Roman Reigns. I do remember that. They went on to have... The Wyatt family, is went on to have a feud with The Shield, which I supported... I supported, obviously, the Wyatt family 100% during their, during their feud. Uh, Harper and Rowan also were in the corner of Bray Wyatt when he wrestled John Cena at WrestleMania 30. And Harper and Rowan, of course, start going after the tag team titles, uh, the holders at the time being the Usos. Ends up winning the Intercontinental Championship after being, quote-unquote, set free by Bray Wyatt. Makes his return to uh, the television tapings on November 10th on Raw, and ends up becoming part of the authority team at Survivor Series. He ends up winning the Intercontinental Championship and then loses it to Dolph Ziggler at TLC that year, just 27 days into his reign. Was in the 2015 Royal Rumble match, eliminated by Bray Wyatt. Um, and then he's back in the Wyatt family when Eric Rowan got hurt. Harper returns to team up with Bray Wyatt to go after Roman Reigns, and of course Braun Strowman then joins the Wyatt family, and we have you know a series of just under usage because that's the point where, you know, uh, Randy Orton joins the Wyatt family, and then all of a sudden like the Wyatt family is just about the dynamic between Orton and Wyatt, and it just it, that didn't work. And the whole time, Luke Harper is standing in the background. Then, of course, for two years, from 2017 to 2019, he is part of the Bludgeon Brothers, along with Rowan. They win the tag team titles, I believe, twice. And then he's let go. And he trademarks his old ring name, Brody Lee. And I thought it was really cool that, you know, he he wanted to go back to that. He... He was very good at the Brody Lee character, and honestly, WWE should have just let him go with that instead of being, you know, the stupid redneck character. Uh, the 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 Southern the hatred that WWE seems to have for any Southern based gimmick. Still to this day, it's absolutely ridiculous. But Brody ends up leaving the company in October, and making his surprise debut as the Exalted One, the leader of the Dark Order. August twenty second of 2020, he defeats Cody to win the AEW TNT Championship, and then, of course, he would lose the TNT Championship on October 7th in a dog collar match, and I guess none of us really knew at the time, none of us, you know, Marks knew that that was going to be his final match, but I I guess we now know that he dropped the title and ended up getting sidelined because of Uh, Some type of an injury, which obviously now turned out to be a respiratory condition. And he passes away on December 26th of this year from a non-COVID-related lung issue. And uh, all of our thoughts, all of our... If you're a praying person, all of our prayers go out to um, Brody Lee's family, Amanda and their two kids. And uh, just such a brilliant mind. For the business, I mean, he, he he had the idea when Vince McMahon had no idea what to do with him. He had the idea to be a collector type of gimmick. You know, we're hearing now about the belt collector and um, Kenny Omega and Brody Lee had the idea for the collector gimmick. You had know, to collect trophies from his opponents. Never got around to it. Vince just didn't see it. But Vince just Vince never really sees anything these days except the profit margin because he doesn't really give a rat's ass about the sport anymore, so maybe it's time for Vince McMahon to fucking step down, and actually, and don't even let, no, don't let Triple H take over, because Triple H has the same mindset. Whatever it takes financially, that's what he cares about. Triple H, great performer, um, he built NXT as such a huge brand, and then he just took a giant shit on it, and I, I think WWE needs to find some type of outside management, maybe get out of the McMahon family hands, because the new stuff on the comp- in, in WWE just is sucking ass from seven different directions. Thank God WWE Network is mostly legacy content. That's my whole point in having the network. I do watch the pay-per-views. I do try to watch Raw and SmackDown, but I'll get, like, two matches in and then just get completely fucking bored with it. And, of course, they don't see the uh, the brilliance of a guy like Brody Lee, John Huber. So, that's pretty much um, my... Ridiculously bad career retrospective on him. He was actually in 2015, by the way, he was ranked number 24 in the PWI 500. That's, of course, a huge, huge um, um, deal. I mean, PWI, yeah, it's like, you know, kayfabe city. But still, it, it's a fantastic honor to be in the top 25 of the PWI 500. And here we are now, uh, just a couple of years later. He passes away on December 26th, 2020. And I was... I just want to finish this up by saying, you know, I was a huge fan of Brody Lee. I was a huge fan of the gimmick. Uh, he... Like I said, he, he had the ability to move like a cruiserweight. But he also could do the the giant gimmick, you know? you know? He did the big boot. I saw him do the sidewalk slam a few times. He was very in tune with... Like wrestling's history, and that's a big part of what wrestling needs nowadays. Is it needs guys to go out there who know the history of the sport, who love the history of the sport, and who want to honor the history of the sport. And that's what Brody Lee was all about. So uh, we have lost the big rig Brody Lee, John Huber. Rest in peace. Um, all the, the love and positivity in the world going to your wife, Amanda, and your uh, two children. So, Brody Lee, gone way, way too early. Uh, This has been a very special, quick update episode of the Terry Wilkerson Show. Find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. um, Our website, of course, www.terrywilkerson.com. And we will be back later in the week with a full-length episode And until then, uh, thank you for taking time to listen and um, keep, keep the Huber family in your thoughts.